Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for your prayers for the Jewish people. And thank you for uh, engaging with Chosen People Ministries. We have some free resources for you that you'll hear about at the end of the show. And I really hope that you will take advantage of the opportunity to get some more information in your own hands and be able to uh, pray more effectively and pray with knowledge for Chosen People Ministries. We, We really want to be your mission to the Jewish people. And so... Your prayers mean a lot to us, your support and your engagement. And today we're going to be speaking about the miracles of Jesus. We're looking at some real high points in the life and witness of Jesus the Messiah. And so we're turning uh, to John chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 15. And so, Bobby, could you maybe paint a picture for us? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So uh, in John chapter 6, this is what it says beginning in verse 1. After these things, Yeshua went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? So were there no uh, restaurants along the Sea of Galilee or, you know, what's, was it desolate? Yeah, well, I don't know if it was desolate, but it's a lot of farmland. <laughs> and especially if you have that many people. And, uh, you know, on top of it, you've got the Passover approaching. So you have a, a lot of just uh, people traveling the roads heading up to Jerusalem at the same time. So it would have been difficult uh, especially if they were in a secluded place, to find enough food to feed so many people. So we don't know exactly how many days they were away from the Passover, but we know that the Passover was imminent, and so we get rid of all of our leavened products. And so it's quite possible, because there were a lot of ritual uh, cleansing types of activities that took place before the Passover, even in the New Testament. You see those in John chapter 11, you can get to read some of those as well when Jesus went to uh, uh, Bethany to be with uh, Mary, Martha, and uh, Lazarus. And so they're sitting at the side of the Sea of Galilee, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm glad that um, John said it was Tiberias because I know exactly where that is. And uh, I love going out on a Jesus boat. You know, today you can go out and and take a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee from Tiberias. The piers are in Tiberias and in some of the other uh, cities along the, the side of the Galilee. Yeah, and on top of that, also one of the coolest archaeological finds is there in Tiberias, uh, the Jesus boat. The Jesus boat, right? the, this yeah. This 2,000-year-old boat that fishing was boat. uncovered. It's yeah, really boat. wonderful. And uh, Tiberias, it's not overbuilt. You know, there's there's a few hotels uh, but most of the action is on the seaside, 
and uh, people jumping into the Galilee and swimming and then fishing in the Galilee. And, and especially during the summers, it's, it's a real playground for Israelis. Uh, it's an opportunity. It's a, a vacation spot, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so it's a very busy spot. Jesus grew up around there in, in Nazareth and certainly understood what it was like uh, to be uh, in, in the Galilee. And, uh, of course, Nazareth is a little bit inland, but Jesus did spend a lot of his childhood there. And so the miracles were already beginning because in verse 2, as you read, they were, one, they were once again cast as signs. And again, John's favorite words, Simeon. And so these were attesting miracles to the power and presence of God. And so they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. So the healing of the sick was a sign to demonstrate God's power and person and plan and really inviting others into a relationship with him. Then Jesus went up on the mountain. And of course, we know that the Sermon on the Mount was given in the Galilee. And so he sat down with his disciples like a good rabbi and was about to teach. And then, of course, John tells that the Passover is at hand. So Jesus, of course, taught. We don't know the content of his teaching here, but we can imagine it uh, to some degree from the Sermon on the Mount and other passages. But the important thing is not the teaching in this instance. The important thing is the hunger of the people and the fact that Jesus would miraculously feed uh, people. And if you go to the end of the story so that we know what actually happened, verse 13, so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. He fed 5,000 people and there were leftovers, you know. Right, I mean, incredible. You know, I have two beautiful girls and even when we were little and we went to a restaurant, there was not always some leftovers, Bobby, never mind this many leftovers, okay? And so this, again, shows that God provides in great abundance. But I, I think the, the setting is really important here because it's, it's pre-Passover. And we understand that Passover is filled with miracles. The miracle of the lamb that was slain, the miracle of the signs that, and wonders that were done by Moses and Aaron and uh, attempted by the Egyptian magicians, which of course failed, and the crossing of the Red Sea. And even when we think about Passover, we think about how God provided in the wilderness, and God provided uh, manna, and God provided quail, and God provided water out of a rock. So there's no doubt that Passover, in the mind of average Jewish people living in the first century, was really a miraculous holiday. And so it's right before Passover. They've got Passover on the brain. They're probably thinking about the wilderness wanderings uh, and the way God provided in the wilderness. And here they meet Jesus the Messiah. They run out of food. He's teaching them. And what does he do? He feeds them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, if I could just jump in also, Mitch, you look at the response of the people in verses 14 and 15. Uh, It says this, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Uh So, you know, remember how we talked about in John 20, the purpose of the miracles and the signs and the wonders was to uh, demonstrate 
that Yeshua is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. So the people had some kind of recognition by faith in the identity uh, of Messiah, that he is indeed the prophet. And then verse 15, so Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So we see the prophet, we see the king. Absolutely. It's great. Beautiful insights. And, and one other thing that I think is also pretty cool for us, in, during the process, during the miracle, backing up to verses 9 and 10. Um, so one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down, right? But sit down where? And then John gives us this little detail, like, why did he say this? Why did he have to include this? Now, there was much grass in the place. So, so the men sat down. And why did he say that, us. Bobby? Yeah, why did he say that, right? <laughs> I'd like to know. So why did he say He that? has the people sit down. They're right by the Sea of Galilee, and they're sitting on grass. It's almost like an echo of Psalm 23 and ah, the description of the Lord is, is my shepherd. One. I shall not want, right? He's going to meet my needs. Right. He makes me lie down in green pastures, yeah. right? There's much grass there. He leads me beside quiet waters. So it's almost like the people, the 5,000 and the disciples, have this vivid image right before them of Psalm 23 being lived out. And would that have anything to do with the rest of the Gospel of John? Is there any place where Jesus is described as a shepherd? Yeah, I think I so. I think that's there, huh, in John 10? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he is, he is the, not just the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd. And he's Moses-like. Mm -hmm. You know, don't miss that parallel. Uh, he leads his people in deliverance. He feeds his people uh, as they go or makes sure that, that they're fed and leads them to the promised land. So uh, I think that there are tremendous parallels here. And again, this is why I think John is such a Jewish gospel. Uh, these allusions to the Psalms, this, these allusions to uh, Moses are, are really important. You know, just back a chapter in John chapter 5, Jesus made it very clear that in the day of judgment, it's not he that will accuse those Jewish people who did not believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. It will actually be Moses. And so this parallel between Jesus and Moses is essential to understanding the Gospel of John. Um, Moses was a miracle worker. Jesus was a miracle worker. Moses was a leader. Jesus was a leader. Moses gave teaching. Jesus gave teaching. Moses provided for the people. Jesus provided for the people. I think uh, that these are amazing uh, parallels. So John is very clear in his purpose for the way he t he's telling the story of the gospel, the good news. He's very purposeful. He's sharing these miracles and these great I am statements to make a case, mm -hmm. to make a case for both Jews first and Gentiles that Jesus is the Messiah and that believing in Jesus is a very Jewish thing to do. In fact, remember the prophecy in Deuteronomy 18.50, mm -hmm. where Moses himself said that a prophet like me right. will rise up among you, and you shall be obedient yes. to him. And Jesus, undoubtedly, is that Moses-like prophet and leader and provider that God was going to raise up. And I don't think it was lost on the Jewish people. I think they picked up on it. Certainly. 
So now immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, we have another just spectacular miracle that just confounds us and is beyond the natural. And that is when Jesus walked on water. Mm. Bobby, I remember one time I was taking a group of young people from the U.S. on a tour of Israel. Mm -hmm. And we were in the Galilee. And the most amazing thing happened. I was reading this passage, (laughs) this passage, and I had my back to the sea, and I was looking towards the young people. And I started reading it and, and speaking, and I saw their eyes were just, you know, bugging out, you know, and there was concern on their faces, and they would, I mean, you could, you could see it. And I couldn't imagine why my teaching this time was just so dynamic, you know, <laughs> that it was making their eyes, as, eyes bulge, you know? Sure. And, and then they kept pointing, look behind you. And I looked behind me. And there was one of those instances where the Sea of Galilee, just in a flash, erupted wow. into swells. And, wow. and you know, it's almost like the power of God was unleashed on the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, of course, in verse 18, we read, the sea began to be stirred and because a strong wind was blowing. And so I understand this passage because I could still see that storm. And uh, I would have hated to be in a boat I, w- I wouldn't have mind uh, being in a boat with Jesus, but I would have hated to be in a boat on, at that time. So the disciples were rightfully uh, frightened. And, of course, Jesus said, don't be afraid. And they end up on the other side. And, of course, Jesus got there miraculously and probably faster. But there were a bunch of people on the other side. And, and Jesus wraps up his sermon uh, on the other side of the Galilee. And... Uh, They ask in verse 28, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom you have sent. Then they question him. They say, what do you do for a sign and a testing miracle so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And uh, ergos, the word for work, is also one of the terms for miracle that's used in the New Testament. Right. In verse 31, our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, give us this bread. And then Jesus made one of the most dramatic statements in light of the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on water and the upcoming Passover holiday, and he said, I am the bread of life. Now, he didn't say I'm the matzah of life. (laughs) He did say he's the bread of life. So I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So again, uh, like John chapter 7, John chapter 4, where water is seen as something that will never run out, that washes our soul and provides for life, Uh, The two staffs of life in the Middle East, in the ancient world, water and bread. Hmm. And Jesus provides them both spiritually forever. And, you know, it's just so important, Bobby, for believers in Jesus to remember that there are two testaments to the Bible, Mm -hmm. you know, and to understand the new in light of the old is critical. And it really helps us gain a full picture of who Jesus is and what he's done. So I hope that's been a blessing to each of you.
today. Shalom, dear friends. This is Mitch Glazer again from Chosen People Ministries. I want to tell you about a new program that we have for outreach that every Christian can be involved in. If you love the Jewish people, then you're going to love this program because it's going to give you the opportunity to share directly with Jewish people who will be staying in your home. That's right. You will be the host because we have started a program called HostIsraelis.com. There's a cultural phenomenon in Israel. Young people go into the army and get out when they're usually about 22, sometimes a little younger, sometimes a little older. And after they get out of the army, they travel. And they love traveling to very different places all over the globe, from Latin America to Asia to North America. And so we started HostIsraelis.com. That's a website where you can go and find out more about how to host Israelis in your home. And it's wonderful because we have training. uh, We have opportunities for you to list your home. And I'm sure you'll find a lot of information available so that you can host an Israeli traveling through the United States and show them the love of Jesus uh, through the way you speak with them, through your hospitality. Uh, You might even feed them once in a while or help them see the sights around your home. You're going to have a wonderful opportunity to love on these Israeli young people through HostIsraelis.com. Right now, we're going to hear from Len Rosenberg, who grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family. For those of you who know Joel Rosenberg, and you've read his wonderful novels and uh, other pieces of literature that he's done, this is his dad. I think you're going to love his testimony. He's a good Jewish Brooklyn boy like me. My, uh, my mother's family came from Minsk. They escaped from the pogroms, and uh, they brought their Orthodox Jewishness to America. And that's how I grew up, as an Orthodox Jew with a bar mitzvah, a Hebrew school, and all that went with that. Love didn't seem to be a part of the picture. Our whole household was uh, full of anger, uh, throwing things, yelling, slamming doors. I was uh, not loved nor was I loving. As soon as I could, when I uh, finished high school, I moved out of the house. I went to California, got married, had two children. I learned how to become an architect. People thought I was a very wonderful person, but at home, I was terrible. Well, I used to throw chairs, and I would say, I hate you, I hate you, to my wife just violent and angry, harsh words, ugly that way. The anger and uh, absence of self-control was uh, was awful. I wanted to stop, but uh, I could not. Growing up, I learned nothing about Christianity, nothing about Jesus. I didn't learn too much about God either. When I was uh, about 19 years old, somebody recommended I go into town in San Diego and uh, buy a Bible. I opened it up and it said, I've told you, meaning God speaking, I've told you what is good and what I require of you, to love justice, to be merciful, and to be humble. 
This is the Word of God, and I'm not doing one of those things. Not humble, not merciful, and not just. In the New Testament, uh, I saw that uh, Jesus said, uh, Come to me, all of you, all of you who are heavily burdened, who have trials and troubles, come to me, and I will give you rest. And I realized without the help of God, the love of God, and the healing of God, I couldn't get there. I couldn't make things better. I think that was uh, uh, the greatest experience in my life, that understanding. I saw that uh, Jesus loves the Jewish people. He was born Jewish. He lived as a Jew. He preached and taught to the Jews. I started to move back to loving the Jewish people, my people, who I had rejected. And I saw that Jesus was rejected, but he continued to love back. I had no idea about this idea of forgiveness. And Jesus gave his life for mankind, for the world. That's how much he loved us. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a Chosen People trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Bobby, just for listening, um, we're going to send anyone who asks a free Messianic Jewish calendar, a free calendar designed to help us to remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's important that we do this because God actually rewards us for praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I know maybe some of you are purists and you don't want to do something just for the possibility of receiving some kind of reward from God. But brothers and sisters, it's God's will that we be rewarded for being obedient. And that's the way God operates in this world. So the Hebrew word for prosper, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they will prosper who loves thee. Prosper here really means finding peace and quiet of soul. It's not the word that, a word that has anything to do with money or property. And by praying for Jerusalem's peace, we can personally enjoy the comfort and tranquility of soul that Jerusalem will enjoy corporately through the Messiah Jesus. You know, Genesis 12 gives us another promise. When God says, I'll bless those who bless you, Jewish people in Israel, and curse those who curse you. And through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So when we pray for Jerusalem, when we pray for the Jewish people, we find ourselves blessed as well. So be sure to connect with us today and ask for your free calendar when you visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also get more information and join the team when you give us a call at 
888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, the Hebrew name for Jesus. And when you reach out today, be sure to ask for your free 2023-2024 calendar that will help you pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you for connecting with us. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.